Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. So this is the second last week of our Unshakable series. Alex is going to be bringing the last week next Sunday morning, which is going to be fantastic and um, really encourage you to come along and be a part of what God's doing. You know, God's doing something amazing in our church and I am never ceased to be amazed at how every service God does something new in our lives because the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. His Word has the power to transform our lives. His Word has the power to go right deep on the inside of us and change us from the inside out. And what is impossible for humans is possible for God because He is a God of the impossible. So this morning I have the privilege of sharing on the topic of the unshakable generosity. Now this is a parable that I've been given to share in the Word of God that I've heard many, many, many times in my time here in this church over the last 29 years. So I said to the Lord, Lord, if I'm going to be bringing this parable, you need to show me some fresh revelation about what you want your people to hear in this place today. So I pray that God will do that through me today. Let's bow our heads and pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, you are God. You are God on the earth. And today we open up our hearts. We open up our minds. We open up our lives for your revelation today, Lord. We choose to put any um, previous ideas that we have into your hands and say, Lord, show us, reveal to us through your Rima word what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the unshakable generosity, the unshakable life is built upon Jesus and his word. He is our rock. The unshakable generosity, as we're going to learn this morning, stewards God's treasure to multiply his kingdom. And the thought for all of us today that I believe God wants to challenge us with is what are you going to do with what you've been given? The parable of the talents. Anyone who's been a Christian for a while would have heard this parable. It's one of the most widely spoken parables within the Bible. And I think the reason for that is because it's multidimensional and we can learn lots of different things from this one parable. Very, very powerful. The parable of the talents. So I'd love you to turn in the Bible today to Matthew chapter 14 today. We're going to be reading it together and going right into what the Word of God has for us today. You know, when Jesus was teaching, he often used parables to be able to illustrate things about himself, about the kingdom of God, about the kingdom of heaven. And this is one of those parables that he was using to actually illustrate what the kingdom of heaven was like. I'm going to be reading from verse 14 today. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one talent, to each according to his own ability. 
And immediately this Lord went on a journey. This morning we're going to be understanding what, what it was that God was trying to convey through that parable through Jesus. If we go to the next slide, we're actually going to see what a Hebrew shekel looked like. This is a Hebrew shekel. And um, shekels were an interesting thing. They were made out of either silver or gold. And back in that day, they were actually attributed their value by how much they weighed rather than actually just having one coin. So when we're looking at the parable of the talents, one talent was 3,000 of these coins, 3,000 shekels. And that's equivalent today to 34.2 kilos of silver or gold. And back in the day, so one talent was 3,000 shekels, which is 34.2 kilos, which is actually equivalent back then to 15 years wages. So when this master was entrusting these talents to his servants, he was entrusting a lot. It was a great value. If we look at the next slide, we can see what he entrusted to them. So the person with five talents, he was actually giving 175 kilos of silver to, which is equivalent to 75 years of wages, which in this day and age, I was going to do some some um, sums there but then I thought everyone's wages are so different in Australia so that would have been very inaccurate and I didn't want to represent the word of God inaccurately so 75 years back then I also was going to use my own weight to illustrate how heavy 34 kilos was but I did not want to give away how much I weighed so I figured that was bad so I'm guessing my son James is around about the 34 kilo mark but he grows all the time so I don't really know how much he weighs so I can't use him either so the two talents the two talents was equivalent to 78 kilos of silver, which was 30 years wages. One talent was 34 kilos, 15 years wages. Because I know sometimes when I've read the parable of the talent, you think one talent wasn't much, but one talent was still a great deal. One talent was still 15 years worth of pay. So it was a lot of money. So it's just good, isn't it, understanding the background. Fantastic. So we're going to continue reading on this morning. Then he, reading from verse 16. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with this silver and made another 171 kilos of silver. So he ended up with 342 kilos of silver. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also, ended up with 136 kilos of silver. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. We're just going to stop there for a moment. This was a common practice back in ancient times that if you wanted money to be safe, you buried it in the ground. That was what was done. So he chose to be conservative with what he'd been given, what he'd been entrusted with. Verse 19. After a long time, so we don't know how much a long time was because Jesus didn't tell us, but it was a long time. A long time indicates that it wasn't just a week or a few months. It was likely to be several years. We don't know the exact length of time, but it was a long time, Jesus said. The Lord of these servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, 
I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The amazing thing there is we pause just for a moment. The master, the Lord in this parable said exactly the same thing to both servants. Even though one made another 75 years of wages and one only made another, what was it? I forget. Oh, there it is out there. It's still there. That's good. 30 years wages to those two servants, those first two servants. His Lord said exactly the same thing. So we can learn from this parable that the Lord was not looking for how much they multiplied, but that they multiplied. We're going to be talking more about this a little bit further on. So reading from verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. See, the Lord expected faithful stewardship from all of his servants, regardless of their ability, regardless of how much they had. He expected them to invest what he had given them. He would have been happy with interest. He didn't require them to go out and trade like the first two. But the fact that this third servant buried the treasure that he'd given them, shown that he didn't value what his master had given him. And he had lots of excuses there. But we see here that the Lord judge them based on how much they had not how much they'd multiplied but the fact that they needed to multiply verse 29 for to everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance but from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away and this is the most tragic words that can ever be heard and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The weeping there resembles sorrow and the gnashing of teeth resembles regret. 
Jesus uses these parables and they were often hidden at the time. So I'm sure that the people who were listening to this parable at the time thought Jesus was talking about money. But he was just using money to illustrate the point that he was making. And we're going to unpack it now and understand what that means. There's actually lots of concepts in this parable. But this morning, the, the concept that we're going to be looking at is the idea of stewardship and the idea that God is the owner of everything that we have and we are the managers. To be good stewards, we need to have the right perspective, be faithful and expect the miraculous. So we're going to be talking about those things this morning. So in having the right perspective, we need to have a godly perspective because the only right perspective is God's point of view. God has entrusted to us what ultimately belongs to him. As his stewards, he's given us his authority and responsibility over his resources. As believers, our lives and all that we have been entrusted with from God, our time, our money, our abilities, our words are to be completely invested for him with the purpose of building his kingdom. What are you going to do with what you've been given? The second thing that we can learn and draw from this parable is that, the, as t- that to be a good steward, we need to be faithful in generosity. We can see that the first two servants had to actually take some risks. They actually had to take what their master had given them and go out there and trade it. There was risk associated with that trading. They had to step out and take chances with that. And they obviously did that trading wisely. They didn't go out and squander it and spend the money. They went out and traded it wisely to be able to increase it. God's idea of faithfulness is producing fruit from what he's given and we see that right throughout creation don't we you know I love gardening and I love being out there I don't have a veggie patch at the moment because we've got solid clay and we haven't had the chance to build veggie patches yet but I love gardening and one thing that I've learned is that I'll take rocket for example rocket's a really good example because rocket can just go completely ballistic and maybe that's why they call it rocket in the garden I don't know because it just goes crazy but if you plant one seed of rocket That one plant that comes up from the rocket produces so many seeds that the wind just blows it and even in clay, rocket will spring up and have have rocket plants everywhere. So it's it's in creation. It, it, It was in creation when God created Adam and Eve and said, go forth and multiply with the human race. So multiplication is what God has designed for everything on the earth. And so we see that God's idea of faithfulness is to be fruitful so that what we're doing, what we're investing in with our time, with our abilities, with our words, with our resources, with our money, everything that we have, as we invest that, God wants that to be producing fruit because that's how God designed creation to be. I think one of the, my favorite passages of Scripture in regards to generosity is in Proverbs 11. Love you to turn there today. Proverbs 11, reading from verse 25.
There is the one who generously scatters abroad and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, but it results only in want and poverty. The generous man is a source of blessing and shall be prosperous and enriched. And he who waters will he himself be watered. Reaping the generosity he's sown. This is an illustration of one of the passages of Scripture that talks about the law of sowing and reaping. And I know certainly in my own life, this has been true. Sometimes we don't have much to give, but God just wants us to give. Sometimes we might not have a lot of money, but we can give of our time. Sometimes we might not have a, a skill that other people have, but we might have a compassionate heart where we can sit and listen to somebody's story. You know, each one of us have, has abilities and skills that we can be generous with. But part of the problem is sometimes we compare what we have with others. And then we hold back what we have because we think that it doesn't have the same value. But I want to encourage you today, let's not be like the third servant that buries what he's been given. Let's be like the first two that take whatever God's given us and be generous with that and invest that and reap an incredible harvest from what we sow. Because the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will he himself be watered. And I know that. I'm absolutely believer in that. I believe that as we sow, we reap. We see it right throughout the Bible. And I know that in my own life, there have been times where I have not had much to give. But as I've given out with a generous heart, it might be, you know, I might not have much money in the budget that fortnight, but you invite people around anyway and just bless them with whatever you have. And I found this, that you cannot outgive God, that when our heart is a generous heart, as we have a heart to give, God takes what we give and he multiplies it. And I believe that one of the reasons why those two servants had good success was because they stepped out in faith. They took what their master had given and they stepped out in faith to use it. They weren't afraid. They took risks. They took chances. They entrust they were entrusted with this from their master. And because of their fear of him, they were faithful and they multiplied. Sometimes we can be generous with our time. Sometimes we can be stingy with our time. Sometimes we can think I'm way too busy to talk to that next door neighbor. I've got this, 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 and this. But God wants us to be generous with our time. And sometimes that takes cost. Sometimes that takes risk. But I guarantee that as we step out with a generous heart to give to others, God will take it and multiply it in our relationships, in our finances, in our time, in our resources. Sometimes we can feel like we're just so time poor that our, neg our self-talk can get quite negative. Oh, I never have any time to do anything. And what happens is he who withholds tend to, tends to poverty, but the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will he himself be watered. It's the principle of God as we step out in faith. And sometimes you can be a very busy person, but it's just amazing how much you can still continue to take on and get done when we sow in faith and speak life over what we're doing. And with the other thing we can really glean from this parable is that God, He wants to reward us. 
He wants to reward us. He's looking for us to be faithful. He was so thrilled to be able to say, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. You've been faithful in a few things. I will make you ruler over many. But the initial investment that God made into their lives was a test to see what they were going to do with what they'd been given. Are they going to be faithful or are they going to be afraid? And when we look at the third servant, we can see that what he did was conventional. It was safe. Didn't require any risk. I know if I go and bury that money, it won't decrease in value. But the problem was that he blamed his Lord to justify. I knew you were this and you were that and you did this and you did that, Lord. That's why I buried it. And I was afraid and I was this and I was that and that's why I buried it. And he was called wicked and lazy. That might seem like a really, really harsh thing to say. We need to understand why his Lord said that because he was looking beyond the action to the heart. And even though he might have blamed God and had all these excuses, the Lord could see that his motive was actually that he was being lazy. That strikes the fear of God into me. I know that when I stand before him, I want to hear him say, good and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. And it doesn't matter what cost I have to pay to be able to please him. What are you going to do with what you've been given today? The third thing that we can really draw from this is that God has put something into every one of our hands. Perhaps you're like the servant who has the five talents. Maybe you're like the one that has the one. But it doesn't matter because each one has something. And God's going to judge us based on what we do with what he's given to us personally. In Exodus 4, we can see that God asked Moses a simple question. What is in your hand? And God took the ordinary shepherd's staff in Moses' hand and used it to fulfill the extraordinary. It became the sign of God's authority, his power and deliverance for an entire nation. Moses was hanging out with the sheep And all he had in his hand was a staff, but God took it and used it. For an entire nation, he multiplied his power. Moses had lots of excuses too, didn't he? Well, I can't speak God and I'm this and I'm that. But in the end, he chose to obey. And we see the incredible fruit that came forth from Moses' life. I think a lot of us are like that when God comes to us and and says, I'm giving you this. You're like, but God, what about this, 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 and this? Let's be encouraged today that we can take what he's given and use it in faith. And that we can entrust it to his hands with the right perspective and faithfulness. Our resources in the hands of God position him to do the miraculous. And that just might be using our time during the week to speak to a friend. 
just waiting for that moment for the Holy Spirit to come upon our words and to do a miraculous thing in that friend's life. We just need to step out and be obedient and use whatever it is that God's given us. And as we step out and start to use what He's given us, God brings the increase. God will multiply what He's given to us because that is who God is. One of the most powerful stories in the New Testament is the story of a little boy who had faith in Jesus. And all he wanted to do was give Jesus all that he had. And what was in this little boy's hands was two loaves and five fishes. I think it is. I might have the quantities wrong. He just had a packed lunch from his mum. And the, Jesus said to his disciples, there were 5,000 men there that day. And Jesus said to his disciples, you feed them. And the disciples are like, us? What have, we got? what have we got, God, that we could use? We can't feed all these people. There's only 12 of us. Have you not seen Jesus? There's 5,000 people seated here today. And a little boy with two loaves and five fishes came up to Jesus. Here, Jesus, you can give them my lunch. I love that story because this little boy was not hindered by any form of of thinking that caused him to doubt. That's why Jesus said, we need to have the faith of a little child. And Jesus took that and multiplied that to feed over 5,000 people because there were women and children there that day too. Jesus is able to take what we have. And you might be looking at what's in your hands today thinking, God, it's not much. It's not much to give, Jesus said. Give it to me, sow it in faith, and I will bring the increase. I will multiply it. Trust in me, and I will do the miraculous in your life. So we can see this morning that living a life of generosity has very little to do with what we have to give away. It has everything to do with what we use it for. What are you going to do with what you've been given? The unshakable generosity stewards God's treasure to multiply his kingdom. Just as we conclude today, I'd love to invite the musicians to come. See, life of generosity means we understand our role as his stewards. Living open-handed, generous towards God and others. As we step out and take risks with what God has given to us, he takes it and multiplies it and produces a miraculous harvest. And just like the Lord in the parable who left for a faraway place, and entrusted his servants with all of his treasure to steward it well. Jesus ascended to heaven to a faraway place and has entrusted us with his treasure. He has entrusted us with his Holy Spirit. And while he is away, he has given us as his servants his treasure. We need to steward this well. 
this power we have been given. His spirit to be able to multiply his kingdom here on earth. And the multiplication of the Holy Spirit is in sharing our faith with others that the Holy Spirit would come and dwell in their hearts too. And we would multiply disciples across the earth. You see, I think Jesus was talking about far more than money in this parable. He was talking about the treasure of heaven that's been invested in each one of us. Let's not be like the third servant who buries it out of fear or who buries it out of disappointment with God or because we say, God, you did this and you did that and you did this and you didn't answer this prayer and you, this li- things in my life didn't go the way I wanted over here. So I'm going to bury what you've given because I'm afraid. Because I've been disillusioned with what's happened in my life. I had a bad experience in church. So I'm going to bury what you gave me, God. I'm not going to serve you with all my heart anymore. I'll turn up to church. I'll read my Bible. But I'm not going to multiply what you've given. I want to encourage every single person in this place today. Don't be like the third servant that buried what he'd been given. Step out in faith like the first two. God has given every single person here his treasure, which is a spiritual treasure. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And he does not want us to hide that power. He doesn't want us to put it under a bushel. He wants us to let the light shine to a broken world, to those who need him. A faithful life is a life that produces fruit, So if we are being faithful in His sight, we are producing, reproducing disciples. We are sharing our faith and leading people to Christ. And that's the challenge for every single one of us today. But I just want to encourage you today. Let's live in the fear of our Master and Lord and Saviour. That we know that one day we're going to stand before Him and He's going to look us in the eye and ask us to give an account of what we use, what He'd given us. Are we going to hear, wicked and lazy servant, be far from me? Or are we going to hear, good and faithful servant, you have done, you have been faithful with a little, I will give you, I will make you now ruler over many. The good news today is that while we still draw breath, It is not too late. You might have buried that treasure, those things that God's put in your life, all sorts of reasons. And I want to say today that every single one of us deserve to be treated like the third servant. But through what Jesus has done, he has paid the price for our sin. Just like David shared around the communion table this morning, it was Jesus that did that for us to make atonement for us. He has given us His Holy Spirit. We must use it. We must use Him. He is God within us, but we can hide Him. We just need to let heaven come out of us. That's the treasure of heaven. That's the treasure we've been entrusted with today, is the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to take risks. We're going to have to do things that are uncomfortable. We're going to have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to challenge some of our thinking sometimes. 
but we do that in the fear of our Lord and Saviour. When we stand before him, we'll be standing before him alone. There'll be no one else around to blame. We'll be standing before him. Looking into his eyes. What is he going to say? Let's bow our heads this morning and pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Lord, today... We are before you, Lord. You see all things and you know all things. We thank you, Lord. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. So today, in Jesus' name, we break and bind the power of condemnation in Jesus' name. May there be freedom here, Lord God. May people receive your word today, Lord God. May there be no fear. We cast out fear. We declare, Lord, that it's your perfect love that casts out all fear. So today, Lord, we let your love in. And as we let your love in, fear will flee in Jesus' name. We know today, Lord, that sometimes we have been afraid. Sometimes we've been afraid of you or of risk or of failure or of people. Sometimes, Lord, we've been guilty of falling under the spell of apathy. Sometimes, Lord, we've been lazy. Sometimes we've been self-seeking. Sometimes we've blamed you. Sometimes you've not answered our prayers and this is our excuse for burying your treasure. But today, Lord, we acknowledge that the truth in your word is that one day, Jesus, you will return. And when you do, you will bring us before you to give an account of what we have done with what you have given to us in this life. We thank you that this moment in time, it is not too late. We can choose to step out in faith. <laughs> I can see it today. God is just breathing new life, bringing new revelation right across this place. That's it. That's it. We receive it today, Lord. Show us, Lord. Show us, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We can take what you've given and use it for your glory, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He's birthing dreams this morning. There's ideas going forth today. The light's turning on today. <laughs> His treasure. His treasure. His Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You live within us. I thank you that it's you alone, God, that can lead us to do what you want us to do with what you have given to us. So today we make a fresh choice to obey you with what we've been given. Right across this place today, it's just as every head is bowed and every eye is closed today, there might be people who have never made the decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. I want to give you an invitation today. If you're feeling led to respond to that, you can feel that there's, there's a change taking place. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. This is real today. This is real. The power of God is in this place to transform lives. If that's you today, I'd love you to raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. I would like to respond to God. I would like to make Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. I would like to choose Him in His will 
from this day forward. Is there anyone in this place today who is like that? Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down again. Are there others here today that are going to join these two in making a decision to follow, follow Christ without bounds? There are others here today in this place. I just love us as a church to just pray this prayer together. And for each one of us to be able to come before Him openly and surrendered before Him. Let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge I have sinned against You by disobeying You. Forgive me of my sin. In my heart, I believe that God raised You from the dead. And confess today that you, Jesus Christ, are Lord of my life. I thank you, Jesus, for Holy Spirit, who now lives in me. I accept you as my Saviour, Jesus, and commit to follow you as your disciple from this day forward. You can look up today. We're going to have one more song before we conclude the message. I'd love to catch up with those people that have made that decision today. Afterwards, I'll, I'll come along and we'll catch up, be able to help you in your walk with Christ. And if anyone else in this place needs prayer for anything at all, I'd love to encourage you to come down for the elders to lay hands on you this morning. God bless you.